0: Tonight on the readout. And we'll be back on Monday. In the meantime, have the best weekend with the ones that you love, and we'll see you then.
1: Yeah, no, no, you, you, you will not be seeing Tucker Carlson tonight or any other night on Fox. After years of stoking rage, paranoia and hatred, Tucker is off the air. Plus, breaking news tonight, a new timeline on when we can expect a decision from Fulton County D.A. Fonnie Willis on potential criminal charges against Donald Trump for his efforts to overturn the 2020 election results. And we have three very special guests fresh from their White House meeting today with President Biden. The Tennessee Three, Justin J. Pearson, Justin Jones and Gloria Johnson, join me right here in the studio. But We begin tonight with the abrupt and embarrassing end to Tucker Carlson's reign as the top rated primetime host in cable news. This morning, Fox announced that the two had agreed to part ways and thanked him for his service to the network. That decision apparently came from the very top, Fox Corporation chairman Rupert Murdoch, according to reporting in the L.A. Times, whose reporter spoke with people familiar with the situation. The New York Times, meanwhile, is reporting that Tucker was given no heads up that his time at Fox News had drawn to an end, according to two people with knowledge of the timing of the conversation. The anchor was told of the network's decision on Monday morning, they said. In fact, the Wall Street Journal says Carlson only found out he was being let go about 10 minutes before the network announced his departure, according to people familiar with the matter. I could explain why Fox shows this morning were still promoting an interview Tucker had with had in store for tonight's show. Sources at Fox told the news rundown site Mediaite that the news hit like a bomb inside the network, shocking even staffers close to the ex-primetime host who had no idea this was coming. Many at Fox, sources said, found out about Carlson's ouster when it broke in the news. And here's how Fox viewers learned of the news this morning. We have some news from within our Fox family. Fox News Media and Tucker Carlson have mutually agreed to part ways. Tucker's last show was this past Friday. And starting tonight, Fox News Tonight will air live at 8 p.m. Eastern. It will be an interim show with rotating Fox News personalities until a new host is named. We want to thank Tucker Carlson for his service to the network as a host and prior to that as a long-term contributor. So no grand send-off for Tuckums. No final show for him to sign off with his viewers. It's almost hard to believe that just months ago, Tucker wielded so much power, Kevin McCarthy traded him 40,000 hours of exclusive January 6th footage in his hostage deal to become Speaker. Yet today, Tucker has officially achieved something that I don't think anyone else in our industry can claim being let go by all three major cable news networks, MSNBC, yes, he used to work here, CNN, after Jon Stewart humiliated him live on air, and now Fox. But Tucker has also achieved something else. He arguably has done more on cable television to spread the gospel of hate, fear, and paranoia than anyone since radio propagandist Father Coughlin in the Nazi era of the 1930s. Here's just a sample of the content that arguably radicalized millions and millions
0: of Americans. The left becomes unhinged if you point out that American voters are being replaced by Democratic Party loyalists from other countries. White supremacy, that's the problem. This is a hoax, just like the Russia hoax. It's a conspiracy theory used to divide the country And keep a hold on power. Here's a funny thing that we noticed the other day. People debate all the time about mass immigration. Our leaders demand that you shut up and accept this. We have a moral obligation to admit the world's poor, they tell us, even if it makes our own country poorer and dirtier and more divided. You may be wondering, how am I, quote, personally responsible for the behavior of a Minneapolis police officer? I've never even been to Minneapolis, you may think to yourself. And why is some politician telling me I'm required to be upset about it? Those are all good questions. So it's not an actual threat of violence from Christians that's inspiring some trans people to buy AR-15s. No, it's, it's gotta be more fundamental than that, and it is. The trans movement is the mirror image of Christianity and therefore its natural enemy.
1: Along the way, he became the Kremlin's favorite TV show.
0: It might be worth asking yourself since it is getting pretty serious, what is this really about? Why do I hate Putin so much? Has Putin ever called me a racist? Has he threatened to get me fired for disagreeing with him? Has he shipped every middle class job in my town to Russia? These are fair questions. And the answer to all of them is no. Vladimir Putin didn't do any of that. So why does permanent Washington hate him so much? If you've been watching the news, you know that Putin is having a border dispute with a nation called Ukraine.
1: And he peddled that stuff for years, y'all, for years. And he was rewarded for it by his three million nightly viewers and and by the executives at Fox. So why would Fox drop their leading primetime host now? That is a question that we are still trying to get answers for. So here's what we do know. Fox is still licking its wounds from its massive $787 million settlement with Dominion voting systems, which, among other things, revealed Carlson and other hosts' lies and duplicity around Donald Trump and the big lie. There's another big defamation case on the horizon from Smartmatic voting systems. That one is demanding even bigger damages. And there's also a lawsuit from former Fox producer Abby Grossberg, who worked on Tucker's show and claims that he presided over a misogynistic, gross, and discriminatory workplace culture. In a legal filing, she alleges that Tucker Carlson created a work environment that subjugated women based on vile, sexist stereotypes, typecasted religious minorities, and belittled their traditions, and demonstrated little to no regard for mental health. So, pretty much what you saw from him on television. According to the LA Times, Tuckham's exit is related to that lawsuit. That is apparently the line that is considered too far for Fox. Not the racism or the on-air misogyny or the anti-immigrant bashing the white replacement theory or being a tool for Russia and other authoritarian regimes. Not that, that was all fine. But when the toxic culture within Fox is exposed and it threatens to cost Rupert money, that's when you gotta go. Remember, that is what happened with Tuckum's predecessor, Bill O'Reilly who was then Fox's biggest star. He was let go after a series of sexual harassment allegations against him became public, with settlement payouts totaling about $13 million. Joining me now is Tara Meyer, senior advisor to the Lincoln Project and former Republican communications director, and Angelo Carasoni, president Of media matters, Angela. I am going to go to you first because I I I met you and you you've been fighting um, this battle against Fox and trying to illuminate the racism and the dangers of it. I am very curious what you made of um, Tucker's firing today.
2: I mean, a a couple of things, you know, when Glenn Beck got fired, it was because he was contrary to their business model. He drove away all their advertisers and they couldn't make any more money off him. And they even said so. What they did after that, though, was actually insulate themselves by sort of shifting most of their revenue to come from cable carriers. And part of that was actually to pave the way for somebody like Tucker Carlson to do exactly what he does so that to make it accountability free, consequence free, so that there could be nothing that hits their bottom line. So when you ask me, what do I think about it? I mean, the first is that it's great for America. It's really bad for Fox. Because he pretty much satisfied, and and is the only person that satisfied an appetite amongst the Fox News audience of not just these sort of conspiracies that sort
1: of. Oh, oh, okay, we lost Angelo for a minute. Let's get his uh, audio back. You know the the magic of in of the internet, the interwebs. Uh, let me bring you in, Tara, and get your response to it. I mean, Tucker had to fire his chief writer at one point because he was on pro-Nazi websites, posting. Um, He arguably helped to incite January 6th insurrection, even though he literally hated and admitted that he hated Donald Trump with a passion. Um, He himself admitted he's a liar. Here's Tucker Carlson calling himself a liar.
0: I lie. If I'm really cornered or something, I lie. I really try not to. I try never to lie on TV. I, try, I just don't, you know, I don't like lying. I certainly do it, you know, out of weakness or whatever.
1: And one, one more item. This is a quote from um, what Fox's lawyers said in a previous lawsuit Tucker was involved in. Quote, the general tenor of the show should then inform a viewer that Carlson is not stating actual facts about the topics he discusses and is instead engaging in exaggeration and non-literal commentary. Fox persuasively argues that given Mr. Carlson's reputation, any reasonable viewer arrives with an appropriate amount of skepticism about the statements he makes, except they don't. They don't. He arguably has radicalized millions of people to believe what he says and maybe act on it. Your thoughts?
3: Well, first of all, rest in peace to the furrowed, eyebrow, feigned outrage of Tucker Carlson that we no longer have to uh, listen to him spew his garbage every night. I mean, this propaganda uh, has been platformed and financed and encouraged by the Murdochs. Let's not forget who's responsible for Tucker Carlson's success here. They allowed him to platform conspiracy theories, pro-insurrectionists, to have love affairs with authoritarians like Orbán to become Putin's propaganda puppet and useful idiot here in America. I mean, this is on Rupert Murdoch and what Fox News has allowed for the last 20 years, but in particular, over the last 10 years or so and under the Trump era, where they have uh, glorified this. I mean, what Tucker Carlson has done to undermine our democracy and institutions through this enormous platform that he's been given and this right-wing media ecosystem is rather extraordinary. But it poses a direct threat to our democracy. And you can see the through line to the distrust in institutions, to see the radicalization of the Republican Party um, directly from what Fox News and Tucker, or the rest of them in primetime, have allowed and have spewed, and what's what we see now? This is completely out of control. And you can see by the reaction also of the MAGA uh, faithful out there; they are losing it. They are apoplectic over this because their guy is now no longer the number one cable news uh, propagandist out there in the country. They are having a meltdown. So what does what what does that mean for Fox? That's another interesting aspect to all of these things, but. You know, it's just it's it's really it was shocking, obviously, to all of us to see Fox News take this step. It was like right out of the pages of a succession episode. Yeah. Um, but but this doesn't mean that Fox is going to course correct, are they? Because there's a whole hell right. of a lot of other people at Fox that need to go also if they're actually yeah. going to try and clean house here from the top down. It's rotten from the very core here. And let's not forget who's responsible. It's Rupert Murdoch and and yeah. his minions.
1: Absolutely. And Angelo is back. I'm going to let you finish your thought. But I, w- I want you to go into that because, look, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I, I think everyone over there, they're all right wingers. Right. I don't think Sean Hannity is dangerous. I, I don't. To me, he doesn't seem dangerous. You know, Laura Ingraham, whatever. I never hear people sort of quoting the things that she says. Um, she's a right winger, too. But there's something particularly to me pernicious about him. Um, not just the, I mean, he literally accused my friend and former colleague here, Tiffany Cross, of being the Hutus and the Tutsis and inciting race war. Um, he has gone after, you know, the Justins in the most racist way. I've never heard people able to be as racist as he has been on TV and gets away with it and was rewarded for it. Finish your thought from earlier.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that's basically the point. He's a he was a bubble within a bubble. And he, I agree completely. He's a uniquely destructive force that was enabled by the Burdocks. In fact, he repeatedly thanked them for keeping him on air despite all the controversies and blowback. And to your larger point, you know, even though Fox itself won't change, and I think in part it's because Tucker helped fuel and build this bloodthirstiness, this appetite, that that, that audience is gonna wanna be satisfied. And Fox, as we saw from the Dominion Revelations, is gonna aggressively work to make sure that they can satiate that. But part of the reason he was so uniquely destructive is that he pulled in all these things that were otherwise on the fringes, the fever swamps, right on the edges, and he laundered them through the Fox News apparatus, not just into the right wing echo chamber, but then directly into the Republican Party. So that's the conduit is that he built this pipeline and then he leveraged the tools at his disposal to actually reshape and transform our politics. Great replacement theory is now totally acceptable within the Republican Party because Tucker Sawson talked about it several thousand times while he was on Fox News.
1: Absolutely. And Tara, I mean, to that point, I mean, Kevin McCarthy gave only one person that exclusive footage he didn't give to any journalist and Tucker's his own. Company says he's not a journalist. He's the only one who got it. You have the governor of Texas agreeing before the man is even sentenced to pardon a man who shot a Black Lives Matter marcher, even though now it's coming out that he put up racist text message after racist Facebook posts and may have propositioned a 16 year old kid. And that person might walk free from a pardon because Tucker told him to. That's how much power this guy had. I can't think of anyone else at Fox that has that kind of power other than Rupert Murdoch.
3: Uh, You're right. And it's it. You know what else they did? They also mainstreamed the insurrection and tried to whitewash it as if it yes. were some type of tourist. You know, it was a tourist gone. Uh, you know, uh, a trip gone wrong. It was just a. There were just a couple of bad actors. I mean, they let Tucker Carlson put that horrific, uh, uh, conspiracy theory laden documentary on air, and it was so disrespectful to law enforcement in this country. And 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 you look at that, it's outrageous. And so you look at all of these things. and And it circles back to how this has undermined our democratic institutions and radicalized millions and millions of people who ingest this night after night after night. And now you see, where is MAGA going to go? You have Marjorie Taylor Greene and her minions mm. saying that they're going to follow Tucker wherever he goes. And my colleague Rick Wilson said, what the hell? And I said, maybe to the trash heap of history, which is where they all belong. But this doesn't end here. I mean, we're glad to see no. this. Like Angelo said, it's one step. But there is a long way to go to combat this disinformation and this indoctrination from the white supremacy to the, uh, love, love, like I said, love affairs with author- authoritarians. This is very dangerous to our yeah. constitution republic, And I hope that more and more people call it out and that we can some we can take we can mi- combat this somehow, because it, it, the danger it poses we're, we're seeing every single day because half of them, they don't even believe it. These people, right. it's so duplicitous. They don't even believe it. But the people that they're preaching to, they 100% do 100 percent believe and, it. And look at what we have now. It's wherever we, we have a civil war, potentially got a cold civil war that could go hot at any yeah. time because of people like Tucker Carlson and Rupert Murdoch.
1: Um, and so, Angelo, I mean, first of all, the way the way that you know that he got fired, you know, I had a show canceled. I was asked to do a final show when you don't get to do a final show as Brian Stelter today. It's the equivalent in TV as of a death penalty. So he was fired.
2: He no, yeah, but I mean, he, he was supposed to do an interview with Vivek uh, Mr. woman tonight that Fox News was promoting most of the morning. Uh, yeah. So this was totally abrupt and he didn't get to do a last show. He didn't get to say goodbye. And it's about as significant as Rush Limbaugh being fired in, ni- if, if, in 1996.
1: Real quick, Angela, before we go, what do you make of the speculation that this is because of the Abby Grossberg suit? Because they have fired people before. They fired Bill O'Reilly because of sexual harassment suits. That it could be because of that or things he might have said. I mean, there's a lot of speculation of what was in those, you know, yeah. those other text messages that weren't released, but that the Abby Grossberg suit might have been the final uh, straw. Last word on that. I mean, that.
2: look, we got, a, we got a small flavor of what he says about Trump, his colleagues, right in directly. Once you sort of pierce that veil, it's not that much of a stretch to realize that there's a lot more trash talking that Tucker Carlson probably did. And if you're Fox Mm -hmm. right now, you're doing a really big risk assessment to try to get your handle on how you're going to course correct. And he's a massive liability. So even if there are no more tapes, the fact is you have to have reason to believe. These are not aberrations. That is his personality. That is who he is. Uh, And so just imagine a little bit more discovery, a lot more damage. Mm -hmm. And on some of his bosses
1: are women. And maybe they actually thought it was a bridge too far to allow somebody yep. to be as misogynistic in-house as he is on TV. Sorry, Tuckums, this is the way it goes. Um, thank you, Tara Seth Meyer. Thank you, Angelo Carasoni. And up next on The Readout, breaking news tonight from Georgia, DA Fonnie Willis reveals new information about when she will decide whether or not to indict Donald Trump for his efforts to overturn the election results in 2020. Stay with us. Late today, Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis said that she would announce this summer whether Donald Trump and his allies would be charged with crimes related to alleged interference in Georgia's 2020 election. It is the clearest timeline that Willis has given regarding potential indictments after saying in January that charging decisions were, quote, imminent. In a letter to the Fulton County Sheriff's Office, Willis asked law enforcement to increase security in the coming months, writing, quote, Decisions in this case may provoke a significant public reaction. We have seen in recent years that some may go outside of public expressions of opinion that are protected by the First Amendment to engage in acts of violence that will endanger the safety of our community. As leaders, it is incumbent upon us to prepare. Joining me now is Greg Bluestein, political reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution and an MSNBC political contributor. Greg, thank you so much for, for, for jumping in uh, at the last minute. This is some relatively late-breaking news. What do we know about the delay? Because we did hear the word imminent in January, and then in the period in between then and now, we've heard that the, the, the investigation has expanded to include potential interference in the— Senate elections, as well as the presidential, is that does that explain the delay? And what do you know about this new uh, timeline?
4: I think a few things explain the delay. One, the, the Fulton County District Attorney is generally concerned about law enforcement uh, response to potential threats. She wants to give the local sheriff and local authorities more time uh, to deal with protests and counter-protests and all the, uh, the 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 scrutiny that could be on the Fulton County courthouse. Um. So she's now setting this window between July and September. There were indications it could be as early as next month. So this this shifts the timeline. But the other thing this indicates is that the investigation, as we saw some from court filings as recently as last week, is still ongoing. Mm. Uh, you know, Fulton County prosecutors were still grilling fake electors um, and and getting more details. Uh, there was there is was uh, indication that one could be cooperating and that that some were saying that another fake elector could have even violated a state law. And so that to me and that to legal experts, more importantly, signals that this investigation is still very much active.
1: And is there any indication just from the reporting and what you're hearing, whether or not the targets are more the fake electors or whether Trump is included in in those who should be concerned about indictment?
4: Well, legal experts say that this letter is is, is may, maybe the clearest indication yet that Donald Trump could be one of the targets of this criminal prosecution. He could be uh, indicted. But um, well, we've also heard others in Trump's inner circle uh, from Rudy Giuliani and beyond. And of course, the fake electors themselves are also potential criminal targets. We don't know anything yet for sure, because Bonnie Willis has not said anything uh, about that. But we, we have, you know, we've determined from Uh, even interviews with the special grand jurors, that there could be a number of high-profile targets of this investigation.
1: Let's just go through some of the people who've been deposed or have testified, I should say, in front of this Fulton County DA. So I'm going to put them on the screen: It's Brian Kemp, Rudy Giuliani, Michael Flynn, Newt Gingrich, uh, Lindsey Graham, Mark Meadows, Brad Raffensperger, John Eastman. Is there any indication that the two former United States senators have been questioned? Now that we know that, at least per CNN's reporting, there was an attempt, or at least there was a desire to potentially interfere in those elections as well.
4: I think that's definitely a part of that investigation. I can tell you that some of the names on that screen just now are not potential criminal targets, right? Governor Kemp, Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, uh, they were two of the Republicans who said no to Trump's demands to overturn the election. So, uh, you know, they, they might have had corroborating parts. They might have had very minor roles in the investigation. Um, mm-hmm. The late House Speaker David Ralston was also interviewed before his death. Uh, he was one of the uh, Republicans who recorded a phone call, had a recorded phone call, of Donald Trump calling uh, him and urging him to call a special session to overturn the election results. Um, so there's a number of folks who stood up to Donald Trump's demands to overturn the election who were also uh, interviewed uh, as witnesses.
1: Uh, We know Cleta Mitchell was also she's uh, Cleta Mitchell was also interviewed. This is the Trump lawyer who is advising him, who seemed to be very much into overturning the election. She's come up in the news recently because of uh, audio of her talking about suppressing young voters. Any news about her standing?
4: Well, Cleta Cleta Mitchell and and other pro-Trump attorneys um, have been under scrutiny from this entire special grand jury panel, not just for their roles uh, in in trying to reverse the election results, but also their roles doing the runoff. Uh, they played mm. a very active role during the entire runoff process in Georgia, and now with these these text messages that were surfaced uh, over the weekend, um, that could be a part of Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis's ongoing investigation down of what happened, particularly in Southwest Georgia and Coffee County, uh, as as uh, pro Trump officials were trying to uh, throw out votes from from that rural county.
1: Wow, uh, always great to have you on. You've got so informative, uh, Greg Bluestein. Thank you very much. Really appreciate you, man. Thank you. Uh, Cheers. And up next, I will talk to all three members of the Tennessee Three who just met with President Biden at the White House to discuss gun reform. You do not want to miss it. Today, the Tennessee Three were at the White House. They were the White House three today. State Representative Justin Jones, Gloria Johnson, and Justin J. Pearson got the VIP treatment from President Biden.
4: You should stand up for our kids. You're standing up for our communities, safe communities, and democratic values. That's what it's all about. And you're all, all three of you speak so well about why you're doing what you did and why you continue to do it. And look. Uh, what the Republican legislature did was shocking. It was undemocratic. And it was um, without any precedent. But you turn it around very quickly.
1: Their visit with the president and with VP Kamala Harris comes just days after the Tennessee legislature ended a session filled with undemocratic assaults on drag performances, Democratic members, and the Nashville Metro Council, which state Republican lawmakers wanted to punish because they blocked the 2024 Republican National Convention from coming to the Music City. The session was objectively a failure because a federal judge has temporarily blocked the bill limiting drag performances, calling it unconstitutionally vague. While a three-judge state panel blocked Tennessee from immediately enforcing the Nashville Metro Council law, which would have cut the number of council members in half until at least the next election cycle. In the wake of the Covenant school shooting, Governor Bill Lee did successfully push $140 million for school resource officers for public schools. But Republicans failed to pass any meaningful gun measures— Since the shooting, thousands of people have descended on the state capitol to lobby lawmakers, while families connected to the shooting sat in committee meetings and in the galleries calling for gun reform. Their calls fell on deaf ears. Instead of listening to the public, Republicans, who have a supermajority in the legislature, plowed ahead with the unprecedented expulsion of two Black Democratic members who listened to the people and demanded action. A testament to Tennessee being the least Democratic state in the country. The Republicans' stubborn insistence on punishing dissent dominated the final days of the session and created a national embarrassment for the Republican Party. And joining me now are the Tennessee Three, Tennessee State Representatives Justin J. Pearson, Justin Jones, and Gloria Johnson. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And, and us. I'll, I'll just tell you, it was an honor just to meet you all in person. We've been covering this story from day one because of the unprecedented nature of what happened to you. But before I get to that, I do want to ask each of you, and I'm going to start with you, Representative Pearson, mm-hmm. the White House today, mm-hmm. meaning for you of being there— um, and what do you think you got from it, and what did you hear from the president and vice president?
5: Yeah, it was a very meaningful day for myself, District 86, and the people I'm fortunate, and we're fortunate to represent, uh, to go into a place built by formerly enslaved African American folks, mm-hmm. uh, speaking about the voices of the marginalized and those who are being too often excluded in situations like the one where we're in, dealing with the issue of gun violence, the need for gun control, and the need for gun reforms. And so today, hearing from uh, the president and the vice president about the reality that this issue cuts across. Uh, party lines, that Mm -hmm. it isn't just a Democratic or Republican issue. It is a moral issue about whether or not we're going to care about kids, whether we're going to care about communities, and whether we're going to have the courage to do the things necessary to create the change we need to see. Uh, And to be inspired and motivated and engaged in that way is really helpful and important. Uh, But it also is uh making me commit myself further uh, to this movement mm-hmm. because it is the voices of thousands of people in Tennessee and across the country that are waking up a, a, a resurrection of sorts with renewal toward the mission that we can end gun violence. We can prevent a lot of the murders and the tragedies that we are seeing. And even in a place like Tennessee, which has for too long not been invested in nationally, for too long has been said, this isn't a place of opportunity. This isn't a place of progress. Uh, even in a place like Tennessee, we are seeing that hope, being resurrected to, Amen. to change.
1: See, his, you know he's the preacher's son because he's just preaching it. Let, let, me, uh, let me go to you, uh, Representative Johnson. Um, you were a teacher. Yes. And so yes. I know that the this, this issue resonates with you in the way it resonates with me in, yeah. as a teacher and a mom, right? Yes. And, um, the president's wife is a teacher. Yeah, And I'm sure that he talked to you about that. What was yes. your conversation like with the president and the vice well,
6: president? Well, you know, just wonderful because he really does understand that per- per- perspective. And, you know, Dr. Biden came to Nashville after the shooting. She was there. And so we appreciated that so much that they were paying attention to what's happening in Tennessee. Tennessee sometimes feels left out. Yeah, But as an educator, just knowing, you know— th- all of us are going through these drills. You know, teachers are actually doing drills to keep kids safe. Yep. And the idea of that, I grew up in a time when that was not a concern. Yep. But but these guys are growing up in a generation that that's been the reality their whole life. And they were also recognizing the National Teacher of the Year today mm-hmm. at the mm-hmm. White House. So that was kind of cool. Um, but it's just critical If you I've been at a a school that had a shooting when that happened, we lost a student and you will never forget the terror on those kids faces, the tears and just the shock and trauma. That, that everyone collectively had that day and how it continues on. Yeah. So it's important to have a president and a vice president that understands mm-hmm. that so well. Yeah. And and Kamala Harris really understands movements. You know, we talk a lot about how do you keep the movement going, and we talked about that with President Biden. And they just really get it. And it's so nice to have a White House that understands that.
1: And Representative Jones, I mean, right. The two of you are my my kids' age. uh, (laughs) And they grew up having these active shooter drills. And they were traumatizing for my kids. They were traumatizing for me as a mom. And they said, you're going to meet at this park. And this is where you will find out if your child is alive or dead. For me, I still can't get over that. And my kids, you know, you guys are their age. So for you, what was the meaning of being there today? And And how do we keep? this movement going? Because you all have definitely sparked an international movement.
7: Definitely. I think, I mean, the biggest message leaving this meeting with the White House and that we stressed was that this is not a moment, it is a movement. And it's it's happening in the South, in a place where we have an NRA-endorsed governor calling a special session a month from now around gun violence. And it's because of this multiracial, generational, multi-faith statewide movement that's really creating this coalition of conscience to force actions and shift political priorities. Um, And so that's what gave me hope from our meeting at the White House today. And I I know I stress, you know, that it's so important that we do something outside of the ordinary. Um, When John Lewis let us sit in on the floor of Congress in 2016, it was out of the ordinary. Mm -hmm. When We went to the well of the Tennessee House with a megaphone and a sign that said, protect kids, not guns. It was out of the ordinary. Mm -hmm. And so if we're going to get action, um, and if this will be our Selma moment, we're going to have to do something outside of the ordinary. Um, And I really believe that Tennessee can set a model for the rest of the nation, that if we can pass these common sense gun laws in the nation, I mean, excuse me, in Tennessee, that the vast majority of Tennesseans from Republicans to independents to Democrats' support, it will set a model for the nation to pass these laws.
1: I think it's important that you mention the South because, you know, I have a a, a thing that annoys me about the Democratic Party is that they kind of look at the South and they go, well, that's the Republicans' territory when it used to be the Democrats' base, right? It it was a different kind of Democrat, you know? (laughs) But it it, it is a place where there are a lot of black folks Mm -hmm. and where half of black folks still live and where gun violence is actually at a higher rate, you know, occurs at a Mm -hmm. higher rate. A more death. What are you, What do you, were you all able to say to President Biden about that, about whether the Democratic Party needs to go back and refocus on the South?
5: Yeah, you know, One of the things we have to realize that even in this uh, moment of uh, Representative Jones and myself being reinstated, which is a moment of triumph, we remember the tragedy mm-hmm. right, of the Nashville Covenant shooting, the six people who lost their lives. We remember that in our communities, we've had constituents and, and family members, like I've had Larry Thorne, my own classmate, who died this year because of gun violence. We remember that there has been a, a, a tragedy uh, that has precipitated the need for this Conversation because there's an epidemic of gun violence that's happening because of the proliferation of guns that are in communities, because of the lack of courage and will of people in positions of power to do right by the people, because they're so concerned about listening to the NRA and the Tennessee Firearms Association, which gave letters to all of our Republican members uh, just last week. Uh, But when we think about how we continue to advocate, how we continue to move forward, how we continue to build power, it is Mm -hmm. going to be uh, centering the voices in our communities and in the South. Uh, Charles Blow, he wrote this book about uh, the devil you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, The reality is the South is going to be the place that dictates where America is. The yep. litmus test for our country is what's happening in the South. And if we negate what is going on in the place that has the most African-Americans, but is also the place where you have Memphis and you got Birmingham, you've got Montgomery, you've got Nashville, on. these places that built and were the pillars of the civil rights movement, if we negate those places, we're really negating our history of what movement and movements and justice look like. And we know some people do want to negate history. Yes, yes indeed. they did. We're
1: not here. We're not going to here. keep everyone here. All of these uh, wonderful people are going to stay with me. When we come back after the break, I want to talk about what Republicans actually did pass in their oh, session yeah. uh, and what they didn't. And we're going to do that right after this break.
3: What people are doing in Tennessee is giving hope. So
8: thank you so much for standing up for your rights, protecting each other,
1: A shout-out from Lizzo in Knoxville this weekend. Back with me are Tennessee State Representatives Justin J. Pearson, Justin Jones, and Gloria Johnson following their meeting today with President Biden at the White House. Representative Jones, I want to read to you the list of what actually passed in your state legislature during this session. Um, It was further limits on teaching social justice, racial equality, political science and social work psychology and other fields, anti-trans legislation, ban on gender-affirming care for transgender minors, ban on public drag performances liability protection for gun manufacturers and dealers in the state, expanding school vouchers, $125 million in teacher pay raises, that's a good one, and transportation funding. This does not sound like the priorities, other than the teachers getting some money, of the people of Tennessee. What is the point?
7: I mean, that is an immoral agenda. And even the teachers' raises, the part that is left yeah. out is that they attack teacher unions with that raise. Of course. Mm-hmm. And so there's always a catch. Yeah. And you see this immoral extremist agenda that's meant to deflect and distract from their failures. That in Tennessee, um, one in five children live in poverty. That we've had mm-hmm. more rural hospitals closed per capita than any other state in the nation because we haven't expanded Medicaid. Mm-hmm. That we have, you know, people who are homeless. That we have, we have extreme poverty. And they want to focus on these issues because— they don't want us to, to really talk about how they have failed as a supermajority. They control every branch of government in Tennessee, and, and our people, their lives are not getting better. Our people's lives are still suffering. And so I think that is, that is what this agenda is. It's an agenda to try and have you look over here so you don't pay attention to what's going on here.
1: Yeah. Uh, let me, I have to play this for you because I couldn't believe it when I was hearing it. Uh, this is a mom mm-hmm. who is trying to speak with a representative named Scott Campbell. Yes. Uh, this is the exchange that blew my mind. Take a listen.
8: Handgun versus an
3: AR fifteen, which He's one? Unsurvivable for a which child. One? You don't want to give them even the slightest chance.
8: There, there are a lot of ways that people can die.
3: I, I uh,
1: that was that blew my mind. So that seems to be the mentality. Is there anyone in the Republican side who thinks differently than that? That you could even come together with to pass gun reform legislation.
6: There, there are some that will say it quietly behind a closed door. But do they have the courage of, of knowing what's right? Do they have the courage to put children before guns? Um, that is our, uh, that's our concern. I think there, you know, there's 24 of us. If we could get 26 of them to agree, I think there probably are 26 of them that might agree with us. Do they have political courage? Do they have the ability to vote the right way? To put kids first, before guns, that is the question. Is it the Tennessee Firearms Association? Is it the NRA? Who is in control of these people? Right. It's definitely the Tennessee
5: Firearms Association, definitely Mm -hmm. the NRA, and it is also the leadership of the Tennessee House Republican Party. Uh, That representative that you showed, uh, he resigned uh, after sexually assaulting a 19-year-old intern, and that went under wraps for three weeks because of the leadership of Cameron Sexton uh, and, and William Lambert, who allowed for that representative to stay in the House while they were Spelling myself and Representative yeah. Johnson putting Representative Johnson on trials toxic. Representative Johnson, you were the one who I first heard saying he needs to resign, the speaker.
7: Yeah.
1: Progress on that? Any
7: progress? Yeah. I mean, I've talked to a few Republicans on the last day's session who are questioning his leadership yeah, um, because he represents such an extreme anti-democratic voice that is, he's silencing his own members because there are Demo- there are Republicans who said leadership sent out this statement saying we're not going to take any action on red flag laws without even talking to their own members. Right. And so they're making decisions and silencing their, their voices within their own party who want to pass common sense gun laws because the majority of Tennesseans across parties support them.
1: Did, didn't the governor, Governor Billy, who's, you know, had a lot of things, drag shows he's weirdly uh, upset about, but he seems to be for red flag laws. Is there a chance that that actually could pass?
6: And, and that's a new development. You know, I think with the movement, with all the young people, with the parents, with uh, the Republicans showing up and the independents showing up, yeah. the 9,000 people we had form a human chain from Vanderbilt Hospital to the legislature, Yeah, um, I, I think we absolutely can. But it's going to be that movement of the people that are going to have to make that difference. That
1: movement is depending on the, the Justin's yes. uh,
6: generation. Are people,
5: when they're showing up to your rallies, are they registering to vote? People are registering to vote, but some of them, and this is the important part, some of them can't vote yet. It's a lot of children and middle schoolers and high schoolers who are leading this movement because they don't want to continue to be viewed and seen as the school shooting generation. And Mm -hmm. and there is a deep seated belief and and a hope that the future that they inherit, the future that they create is one that is free from this type of violence. And so they're taking action now. And it's the responsibility of people in positions of power to help to build this multiracial and this intergenerational movement for change.
1: And I love the fact, um, Representative Jones, that you also included getting rural hospitals funded making sure people aren't hungry this is a movement that is bigger if you're really pro-life you should want people to eat you should want people to survive high school um you all are great you all (laughs) are great this is my unbiased opinion y'all are great y'all are leading a movement let me sign me up Uh, thank you tennessee state representatives justin j pearson justin jones and gloria johnson y'all are great thank you so much (laughs) up next we have quite a surprising fan of the readout blog You'll want to know who that is. And we will talk with our very own Jahan Jones and tell you right after this. So a uh, funny thing happened uh, over the weekend. If you're still on the Twitters, you might have noticed some accounts got their blue checks back after unexpectedly uh, after losing ours, like last week, right? Well, also, Michael Jackson—well, myself, I got mine back, too. So did Michael Jackson, Anthony Bourdain, Chadwick Boseman, and Kobe Bryant, to name a few, um, who definitely didn't hand over eight bucks from beyond the grave. But an even more unintentionally hilarious thing happened where Donald Trump screams into the void, Truth Social. The former president quoted our very own Jahan Jones, writer of the readout blog, to dunk on Florida man Ron DeSantis, a recent post where Jahan wrote that Governor DeSantis may have been looking for a coronation when he met lawmakers in Washington. Instead, he got a clown show. And Jahan, jo- Jahan Jones joins me now, reading his fundamental, Jahan. Okay, so apparently Donald Trump reads the readout blog. So welcome, Donald Trump, to the Jahan Jones fandom. Um, give him some more content. I, he loves your blogs. So tell us what's going to be on the readout blog next
8: (laughs) yeah well thank you for having me on to talk about it joy i just wanted to say you know to quote trump uh after posting that a lot of people asked me what my thoughts were i just wanted to say you know i want nothing i want nothing (laughs) i want no quid pro quo (laughs) it's very odd um, happening uh over the past few days, but um, you see how angry the MAGA (laughs) ecosystem is when facts kind of penetrate um, their world. So, yeah, it's been very odd. But this is one of those situations where two people you loathe get into a (laughs) spat, and then there are really no people who you can root for in that situation. So we are uh, moments away, I'm sure, from being cited at some Trump rally (laughs) where Trump talks about little uh, Ron (laughs) DeSanctimonious was cited on the readout blog. (laughs) Yeah. So Many, are people are Many people You're are saying You're saying, Miss Jahan Jones yeah. Joy Reid, great Floridian said, yeah.
1: They love yeah. me, they really love so, me, they all love me Exactly, well, I, yes I, Well listen, tell us where we can read the readout blog latest post I know it's msnbc.com slash readout blog, right?
8: Yes, yes, and that is a post about how Ron DeSantis' trip to Washington D.C. to garner support ended up being a massive failure, but coming up Soon on the readout blog, one major focus of mine has been on the intersection of uh, tech and politics. It's really been uh, in the conversation around TikTok and Elon Musk's ownership of Twitter. You were just talking about uh, Twitter and kind of the disaster that it has been Elon (laughs) Musk's ownership over the past year. So that really is going to be my focus over the coming months and in year ahead, for sure.
1: Well, I love it. Uh, We love that Donald Trump is a fan of both Jahan Jones and myself, but, you know, Donald, we're still going to report on you being an authoritarian nightmare. So, sorry, I can't help you there. Jahan Jones, thank you very much, uh, who does a great Donald Trump impersonation, by the way. You can find the readout in all of our usual social media places. As for my personal accounts, you can join me on Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, and spoutable at Joy and Reed. And that is tonight's readout.